The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of America's racist grandpa to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is inconsistent comparison, also known as faulty or unfair comparison. Yeah, so this fallacy is based on when you compare two things just being fair about it, really. The unfair comparison is probably quite a good term for it. And and the way that you can make sure you're fair is by being consistent about what you're comparing. Because if you're looking at two different things and trying to draw an analogy between them or trying to, trying to make a point about the two things and the connection between them, if you're looking at different aspects of them and comparing that, then it, you're not making the point. You're not actually doing it, making a good argument. Yeah. So, Would it be fair to call it apples and oranges? Actually, apples and oranges is sometimes used as an alternative title for this fantasy. So, yeah, that's that's perfect. And so an example from Trump is at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Mm -hmm. uh, where he said this. I pledged to eliminate two unnecessary regulations for every one new regulation. We have succeeded beyond our highest expectations. Instead of two for one... We have cut 22 burdensome regulations for every one new rule. Uh, that was an, a kind of campaign pledge of Trump's, was to get rid of regulations, to remove two old regulations every time they made a new rule. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. claiming there that every time they've made a new rule, they've got rid of 22, which is right. quite a significant difference. And this claim is based on a press release from the White House from from December, which says that since Trump issued the executive order 13771, the two for one rule, mm-hmm. that federal agencies have issued 67 deregulatory actions and imposed only three new regulatory ones. So they've only made three new rules and they've got rid of 67 rules. So that seems to back up what he says. But the thing is, they're not actually classing the regulatory actions and the deregulatory actions the same. Ah. They are using different rules to say what is a new right. rule and what yeah. is a rule we got rid of. So there's a, a memorandum from the Office of Management and Budget which defines uh, regulatory actions and deregulatory actions to help uh, agencies comply with the two-for-one rule, basically. Oh, okay, yeah. So it says that a regulatory action, a new rule basically, says a significant regulatory action is defined in Section 3F of Executive Order 12866, while deregulatory actions are not limited 
to those defined as significant under Executive Order 12866. So it specifically says in this memorandum, (laughs) we are not treating these the same. We're not saying that the rules that you come up with are not the same as the rules that we get rid of. So you can have you can just get rid of any old thing. It doesn't have to have the same significance as the one that you're introducing. Yeah, basically, it means that when you're counting up regulations that you've got rid of, yeah. you count everything. Yeah. So even there's rules about um, the changing the timetables for drawbridge opening. <laughs> um, if you yeah. if you get rid of that rule, that counts. Right. Um, and, I've suddenly got this image of suddenly got this image of how many castles are there in America. That have got drawbridges. Yeah, it's drawbridge. I think we think. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, you're British. Yeah. drawbridge castle. But no, <laughs> this would be for uh, bridges which boats go through. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah. so they lift up the bridges. So you know, oh, yeah. you, you, you have too. to have a timetable. Yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. For for when the boats can go through and when cars can go over the bridge. So um, if you make a rule about what you can do with the timetable, how you have to publish the timetable, things like that. Right. If you take away that rule, that counts. Okay. However, <laughs> okay. when you're counting new rules, you only count really significant ones, ones, according to this executive order, that have uh, a greater than $100 million annual impact on the economy, uh, ones that interfere with multiple government agencies, or ones that raise new legal issues. So wow. that's quite a significantly that's different criteria. Yeah. So, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't introduce a drawbridge rule that would impact the economy to $100 million, could you? Probably not, no. 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 The thing is, if you actually look at the rules the same, if you if you treat them the same, the change isn't so significant right. between how many they get rid of and how many new rules they make. PolitiFact looked at it and found that actually only five deregulatory actions were significant under the same rules. So only five of the, the rules they got rid of had that, that much impact on the economy or interfered with multiple government agencies compared to the three new ones that they imposed. So actually they didn't meet their criteria of it's two that, for one, yeah, essentially, because right. yeah, yeah, they yeah. created three new rules and got rid of five. Mm. PolitiFact can be, it's quite, I think it's quite neutral, but it's probably leans slightly to the left. If you look at a, a right-leaning advocacy group, the American Action Forum, they looked at only regulations with any economic impact. So they ignored the other elements. And they found that, um, and this was this was not the $100 million impact, this was any economic impact any. at all. Okay. Um, and they, okay. found, they found that there were, based on that, there were five new rules, because obviously it's a slightly uh, wider criteria, but there were only nine rules got rid of. So that still doesn't actually fit the one to two, not quite. So when you don't compare things fairly, when you don't use the same criteria for both things that you're comparing, you're not offering good evidence. You're not making a good argument to support your claim. What you're doing is using a logical fallacy. And in this case, it's the fallacy of inconsistent comparison. Yeah. So you've and it requires uh, a certain amount of fact checking to dig that stuff out and you kind of rely on the people that are telling you these things to be telling you the truth of just suddenly realizing the the daftness of that statement because you know look at, <laughs> look at who they are yeah but it's only because of the world that we live in now that where where fact checking is yeah. such an important part of the political discourse yeah in the old days um okay yeah sometimes you know 
yes, politicians lie and you couldn't necessarily guarantee it, but you wouldn't necessarily have gone, oh, we should check that. Yeah. We should, we should see what basis they're making that statement on. These days, you've got PolitiFact, you've got the Washington Post fact-checking, yeah. you've got all kinds of organisations that look into that kind of thing. And, it, and it, frankly, it makes it harder for them to get away with it yeah. in the sense that, that no one will notice, but yeah. they still get away with it in the sense that their base doesn't care. Yeah. So they still get to say this stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was going to be a bit more charitable and, and say they can, in the heat of the moment, and I, and I was also thinking we should... Uh, caveat somewhat this notion that in the old days people would tell the truth because in the in the old days Soviet Russia existed with when they True. would publish the five the five year plan and say we are beating our planned roster for wheat supplies or whatever. Yeah, it's probably fairer to say that there wasn't this uh, culture yeah. of scrutinising their words much more carefully and you have the ability to go in and, and check this yeah, stuff yeah i think in the past the 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 west well in my experience of the trouble is my experience of politics in the past was when i was a lot younger <laughs> and uh, so it just felt like that actually they used the excuse of the the enemies the other side of the iron curtain was saying well we don't lie like they are obviously lying you know, we you can take it from us that we, you know we are at the as Harold Wilson said. You know, we're at the the white heat of technology is helping us all out. And uh, Harold Macmillan said, "You've never had it so good." And well, you're really dating yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm just <laughs> thinking that actually they were lies just as much as this stuff. And. And even uh, who was the guy that said, I have here in my hand a piece of paper. Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, that yeah. promises peace in our time. You know, n none of it was all, none of it was true. Uh, if you're kind of making that argument that uh, actually the lies have always been around, it's just that we're better at spotting them now. That I think is true, but there's a danger that that abdicates responsibility for checking Trump or, yeah, or yeah. suggests that Trump is normal in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just just announced actually today, I think, that um, in his first year, according to the Washington Post fact checkers, they said in his first year he made over 2,000 false or misleading statements. Um, he's actually almost doubled that now in the the next six months. He's done another 2,000 wow. in, in just six months. He's kind of ramping up his bullshit <laughs> at a quite yeah. alarming rate actually. yeah again to be fair to him um most politicians didn't say as much publicly uh in, in days gone by yeah, you yeah. Know, he can make yeah. uh, statements on the internet he can tweet obviously all the time that that you know he's done yeah. something i think last weekend he sent about 40 tweets wow. so that gives plenty of opportunity yeah to yeah. to talk nonsense yeah but yeah he's he's saying a lot more i think than Certainly, if you go back 20 years, p politicians used to. So there's more opportunity for him to lie. Yeah. But I, I do think that the proportion of stuff he says that isn't true is unusually high. Yeah. So much for draining the swamp. Yeah. Hard to drain the swamp when you are the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> and... 
Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Go, but I'm, I'm glad you brought Boris back in because we miss him so. Anyway, um, so this, this week's example is early on in the campaign for leave before the Brexit referendum. Boris Johnson jumped on the bandwagon and became the spokesperson for the Leave campaign. And there was a double-decker bus that had a big slogan on the side, um, which said, we send £350 million per week to the EU. Why don't we spend it on the NHS instead? And this clip is from the launch of the battle bus. And if we vote leave on June the 23rd, we can take back control of £350 million a week yes. and spend on our priorities here yes. in this country, including on the National Health Service. So there's, there's all sorts of fallacies going on in there. Um, <laughs> so the inconsistent comparison is the £350 million a week um, so the fact-checking site over here, which is, I guess, the equivalent of uh, the Washington Post, one of them's run by the BBC, and it talks about exactly that. And it says the UK doesn't send three hundred million pounds a week to Brussels because there's a rebate because of the size of the country that we are and the contributions that we make to the uh, European Union. Uh, in ways other than just pure cash, which was renegotiated by Margaret Thatcher in the 80s, which is where the continuing Euro scepticism within her party was somewhat assuaged at the time. So we have a, there's a rebate which is sent back to the UK. So in fact, it's deducted before, before we send the money. So that deduction would take the, that weekly contribution down to 276 million. But that figure includes 88 million that uh, we spend stuff on stuff in the UK itself, like uh, support for farmers, uh, regional aid. There's another 27 million uh, a week that goes to support things like research projects in uh, UK universities and UK companies. So that leaves us with 161 million. But even that includes the international development funding because the, our government has a pledge to spend uh, at least 0.7% of its gross national uh, product on international uh, development. So that comes out of that contribution as well. So the next inconsistent comparison is, okay, well, how do we divert that $161 billion to the NHS? Well, we'd have to see what deal we ended up with after we left the European Union. Can we have a relationship with the European Union um, like Norway or Switzerland. So they aren't necessarily ruled by all of the regulations in place from the EU, but they still pay into the EU. And the contribution uh, for the Norway model, the BBC site comes up and says, OK, well, in 2011, where the, the figures are available, the Norway's contribution to the EU was £106 per head, compared with our contribution of £128 per head. So even if we were out of the EU and in a different relationship like Norway, we would only save, what's that, £22 a head. So that the total of that is about £1.2 billion a year, not which isn't 350 million a week. 
So yeah, the, yeah. I mean, Boris is comparing the money that we that he's claiming we give to the EU, obviously ignoring lots of other things. Yeah. Um, but even if he was right about that, even if he was right that the the three hundred and fifty million goes directly from us to the EU and we don't get anything back. Um, by suggesting we could just use that for the NHS, we could spend that however we want. He's he's comparing money that goes out in one budget in one for one purpose with money that is used for another thing. That's not how budgets work. No, that's not how government works. No, you can't just um, take money and go. Oh, we're not using that anymore. Let's put it into this budget. Yeah, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. And and suggesting that. That we can just make that decision, we can just spend it on the NHS. Yeah, but well, particularly we, we, we know we know that some of that money that goes to the EU is being spent in the UK on farmers. Yeah, so it would be taking away. Even if they did that, they're taking away money from from one budget that we're currently using it for. From like you say, for for development or for for farmers. So yeah, it's suggesting that that money just just immediately comes back to us and we get to use it for whatever we want. Yeah. And in fact the uh, the chairman of the UK Statistical Authority, Andrew Dilnot, wrote a letter to the government saying, "I conclude that there is a lack of clarity in the way the official statistics have been drawn on in the statements I've considered. In particular, I note the use of the 350 million pound figure, which appears to be a gross figure, which doesn't take into account the rebate or other flows from the EU to the UK public sector, that alongside the suggestion that this could be spent elsewhere. Without further explanation, I consider these statements to be potentially misleading. Given the high level of public interest in this debate, it is important that official statistics are used accurately with important limitations or caveats clearly explained. So that's the that's there. There is the quite a British complaint. That, yes, there's the guy who's the, the who's in charge of statistics as government body set up to look after statistics on the behalf of the government, who then points out to the government, "You've been using these statistics quite in a cavalier fashion," and I recall at the time that he was hauled over the coals for it. He was, you know, literally almost became an enemy of the people for pointing out the truth of the matter. You know, I, I like that the guy in charge of statistics for the UK is is particularly keen that official statistics used accurately because of the high yeah. level of public interest. Like if if people didn't really care, just yeah. do what you want. You can do what you like. Yeah, yeah. But since people are concerned about this, yeah, we should be careful. We, we should, should be, be careful accurate. what we say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just in case, you know. And we should explain the caveats that we're using. But you know, he hasn't really kind of grasped the no- the notion of what a soundbite is. You know, that <laughs> it's just got to sound good. It's got to be, you know, Boris saying, "Yeah, let's take back control" and all that kind of stuff. So, the, uh, but what is interesting is that despite the fact that there was almost universal condemnation, uh, despite all that, in, on the seventeenth of June this year, um, Theresa May revived the self same fallacy. Uh, like some kind of populist zombies shuffling through the public gaze to divert attention from close-run votes over Brexit negotiations in Parliament. And she said, at the moment, as a member of the European Union, every year we spend significant amounts of money on our subscription, if you like, to the EU. She's talking to uh, Andrew Marr again, who we uh, met last week. And And she said, when we leave, we won't be doing that. 
It's right that we use the money to spend on our priorities, and the NHS is our number one priority. It's one of those... I'm very disappointed you didn't do her voice, by the way. Could, Yeah, I can't do the quavering thing. We can auto-tune it. It'll be fine. Okay. Um, so that, yeah, uh, it's that's what's... Why did she do that? Well, we know why she did it, because it's a populist thing, and people go, yeah, we've forgotten about that. Yeah, bring back the bus. We believe you. thing is, immediately they won the Brexit vote. Didn't people say... Um, so are you going to give the 350 million to the NHS now? And they basically went, oh, yeah, we didn't say we were going to do that. We just said we could. Yeah, yeah. Well, for uh, Nigel Farage, who uh, was then the leader of the UK Independence Party um, and self-styled prince of Brexit, um, was interviewed. He said, so about this 350 million, he said, no, we can't do that. And I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm yeah. sorry that we promised that. Basically it, immediately after that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like they they didn't have to think about it. They just went, "Oh yeah, we were just that was just something we said." Was, yeah. So the, so actually, the the basis on upon which the Leave campaign uh, was conducted was on this big fat lie, and yeah. you kind well, of they never expected to win. That's no, the thing. No, they they That's didn't right. think it was yeah. going to be called on it because which, which is almost the same almost the same premise as trump's presidency isn't it you know if yeah. if you think he was never supposed to win it all makes perfect sense Well, that was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's animal. It's animal out the Muppets. I recognise. <laughs> I recognise the character. I just don't know what, what he's doing in the sting. Well, okay, he's, he's a wild kind of guy. Yeah. He knows all about fallacies in the wild. Right then. <laughs> well, in the fallacy in the in the wild, yeah. uh, we talk about the the fallacy of the week from a non-political point of view and uh, this week we have actually an, an advert from a uk budget supermarket i think actually that they have them in in the us as well it's aldi and i'm going to play the end of the tv ad it's not very descriptive but i'll explain what's going on and uh, the, the beginning of the ad is uh, a dad kind of helping his little daughter to learn to ride her bike and she goes off and then does various bike tricks which are okay. pretty amazing right so the, it, it ends like this. That was amazing. I know. We saved 35% shopping at Aldi this week. Now that is amazing. Be a sport. Take the challenge. See how much you could save. So when the mum uh, mentions how much they've saved shopping at Aldi, mm -hmm. there's a kind of a four-second flash up on the screen showing a, a, a kind of shopping basket of goods that have been bought in Aldi. And it says... Uh, Aldi, £33 and 4p. And on the other side of the screen is a comparable shopping basket, a, a, the same goods, basically. Right. And it says, big four supermarkets, £53.35. So that's that's quite a quite significant saving. saving. Yeah, that's yeah. 20 quid difference. Yeah. The thing that you don't necessarily spot in the four seconds that that's up on screen is that the Aldi stuff is all own brand. Right. And the stuff from the big four supermarkets is all kind of premium brands. Right. Like Kellogg's, Heinz, PG Tips, uh, Finnish dishwasher tablets instead of just Aldi dishwasher tablets. So 
what Aldi are doing here is not comparing own brand, uh, their own brand, no. with the other supermarkets' own brands, the Tesco's own brand and so on, yeah. but with the, the most expensive things you can buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not saving by going to Aldi. You're saving by not buying the premium brands. Yeah. But even the, you, I think even the even the comparison with other supermarkets' own brands is probably in, an inconsistent comparison because they're not the same brands. You know, they're they're even then. I know. think it would be fair. I think it would be fair if you were saying, uh, like, for example, there, there was an, uh, there was a print ad as well, which specifically called out Morrison's, which is one of the big four supermarkets right. in the UK, um, and they had a basket of of products that. It said Aldi eleven pounds forty two, yeah. Morrison's eighteen pounds nineteen, and again, it's compare. It's not comparing Morrison's own. Oh, uh, okay. If it's if it had Morrison's own brand goods, yeah, and they were like thirteen pounds or something, yeah, and then Aldi is eleven forty two, it's not as impressive. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's a fair comparison. You're saying that if you buy, yeah. you can buy the same stuff. It's our it's our version of it. You know, everyone knows the own brand stuff probably isn't as high quality as the premium brand stuff. But really, for the most part, the own brand stuff of each of the individual supermarkets is probably quite similar. And if the price is significantly lower in Aldi, fair enough. Yeah. But they're not saying that. They're, yeah. they're implying it. And so in this instance, they aren't comparing fairly. They aren't doing the same the same thing and actually morrison's complained about this yeah um and it was upheld by the uh the advertising standards authority as um as unfair essentially because they said that there was a morrison's uh, or other competitor supermarket own brand product for each branded product shown and as such um each own brand product was qualitatively equivalent to the branded product um in in Aldi, yeah. the, the Aldi branded product, yeah. Whereas the the kind of premium brand wasn't the same. And, and was so the uh, yeah because Morrison's Morrison's is a fairly well before Aldi, I think Morrison's was probably the cheapest own brand supermarket on the high street. As a uh, it was a yeah, it was a northern of the, of the it was from north. Of England, I mean right? Morrison's. Uh, for for American listeners, uh, Morrison's owns in the UK owns Safeways. Um, Safeways used to be a supermarket in the UK. Uh, I know you've got Safeways in the US. And Morrison's was actually a, a reasonably small northern um, supermarket chain. Mm. And they bought all of the UK Safeways and, and turned them into Morrison's a few years ago. So um, basically, we've got Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda and Morrison's. Those are the main ones. And and they're fairly comparable. But yeah, I would say that Morrison's is, is one of the, certainly on the cheaper end of those yeah. four. Yeah, but the budget ones, the real budget ones, Aldi and Lidl now, they they've kind of come up and and tried to take away some of that market, and and they've been quite successful. But using these tactics is yeah. is not fair. Yeah. They've been told not to do it, and they've said they won't do it. Good. The power of logical fallacy thinking, uh, the advertising standards authority wins out again, <laughs> championing Absolutely. the consumers' rights. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Now, uh, Mark isn't doing particularly well at this game so far. So I'm lulling you into a false sense of security. You see. 
Yeah, I'm this, old... this is it. I've got a feeling. I've got yeah. a good feeling about this week. This yeah, is your yeah. week. This is my Paul Newman yeah. hustler thing, you see. <laughs> I'll get you in, and then, then I'll get you to eat 100 boiled eggs. Oh, no, that's a different You're film. You're confusing yeah. your Paul Newman. Oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but my, I can't let you get away with that. No, my tactic last week, uh, which I kind of hit upon, was to deliberately try and choose the wrong one in the hope that this week, doing that, it might succeed, and I might actually pick the wrong one. I mean, pick the one that, yes. that you made up. I think it's worth a go. Yeah. It's certainly anything is worth a go because what you've been doing so far isn't working. It's not so. working at all. It, but, you know, yeah. it's interesting. It, and what, what happens, I see what I'm doing is providing I am the full guy so other people, when they're listening to this, they will feel that much more uh, smug and self-satisfied that yes. they yes. can they, spot it. If they can get it, then yeah. they will feel better about themselves yeah, yeah. knowing yeah. that they've beaten you. Yeah. So that's very yeah, it's exactly. an knowing, knowing how much um, we've you know spent hours and hours studying all this stuff and they could just get it straight away. It's a bit like watching yeah. um, Jeopardy on the TV where you just shout at the at the TV yeah. you can well, get all the, the right answers. Is, is, what people don't realise is how much pressure you're under. They just think it's it's easy yeah. sitting at home listening yeah, yeah. and guessing the right answer. But they don't realise that under the hot under studio lights. Exactly, under the hot lamp. And, you know, I've got a floor absolutely. manager pointing at me and pointing at a watch and, you know, doing all those kind of signals to kind of wrap it up. And It's very like. stressful. We've got fact checkers listening to our every word, lawyers tapping us on the shoulder, one tapping me on the shoulder right now because I shouldn't have mentioned the lawyers. So, yeah, it's it's immense pressure. It's so I think people should go easier on. Yeah. So there's a theme this week. Okay. I, I've noticed that Trump um, doesn't seem to know when things happened in history much, right? <laughs> or how long ago <laughs> things happened. Okay. So so the theme this week is is things that Trump got wrong in terms of how long ago they happened. Which is oh, okay. I, this should right. be a snappier. I need a snappier title for yeah, the theme. Yeah, yeah. I don't have one. So Trump, we have three time. Trump quotes. You're looking for the one that I made up. Okay. Uh, is it number one? Mm-hmm. I'm very pro-Israel. When I decided to recognise Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, it was time. It should have been done years ago. The state of Israel has had Jerusalem as their capital for over a hundred years. Is it number two? Mm-hmm. For the past 17 years, Obamacare has wreaked havoc on the lives of innocent, hard-working Americans. Mm-hmm. Or number three, we met with the Queen, who is absolutely a terrific person, where she reviewed her honour guard for the first time in 70 years, they tell me. Mm. He doesn't get out much, does he? That's the thing. Um, well, I, yeah, you sit now, number three I know is real, because at the time... That he met with the Queen, I was think I was deliberately looking out for what he would say to make something up about. So I think that one's real. Uh, I'm very pro of Israel. When I decided to recognise Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, God, I just have to take all the credit, doesn't he? Should have been done years ago. State of Israel have had Jerusalem as their capital for over hundred years. Well, no, then uh, for the past seventeen years, Obamacare has wreaked havoc on the. Okay, I. That's good. I. Oh God, I think that. Uh, I think that's because that, cause that made me laugh. I think number two, you wrote. 
So I, okay. I think the pro-Israel 100-year capital thing is real. I don't. I think the 17 years one, uh, he's not even going to kind of lump Medicare in with Obamacare and get that wrong. I think you made that one up. Okay. I hope you did because so it's very funny. You're most confident about number three, so yeah. let's go in reverse order. Okay. Here. He met. With the Queen. He did do that. Play, That's play. true. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Right. And yeah. number three is real. We met with the Queen, who is absolutely a terrific person, where she reviewed her honour guard for the first time in 70 years, they tell me. So you now, do, she does the, it every day, doesn't she? The Queen The Queen has only been Queen for 66 years. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and she reviews, she inspects the Guard of Honour on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Certainly, um, it's a very common thing that she does yeah. with visiting on, dignitaries. Yeah. Um, she did it with Obama yeah. in 2011. Does it on her birthday, uh, it's, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. I don't know where on earth he got that idea. No. That, in fact, that it, there's a... had been... I think... The last time she did it was four years before she was queen. Yeah. Which maybe she went as a child with her dad, you know, the king. Um, but, I've, yeah, because I think there is a... When she's expecting the guard, there's a photoshopped, you know, or an early... Pho- not Photoshop, it would have been a cut-and-paste job of the queen sitting on a horse in all the regalia and somebody's put Mickey Mouse's head on her. Okay. That... Yeah, Google it, people. Uh, it does exist, <laughs> and that was from the sixties. So, yeah, yeah, during the it was all that Mickey Mouse, Richard Nixon type thing. Yeah, so I so, know she's done it once at least. Yes, just as Mickey. She's Mouse. done it many times. Yeah, she is. It's a common thing for yeah, her, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you think number one? Uh, I think it's real. I think it's real. real. And number one is yeah. fake news. Oh, man, that's very good indeed. Very good. I should, what I should do is count the number of sentences because that's very good. He did not claim that uh, the State of Israel has had Jerusalem as their capital for 100 years. Of course, the State of Israel has only existed since 1948. Okay. yeah. So, uh, so that would uh, no, but so that doesn't preclude him saying things. No, no, that's true. So um, what that is, what because <laughs> what that does mean is that number two, I know, from is with, is real. So what what for the past seventeen years, Obamacare has wreaked Ooh. havoc on the lives of innocent, hardworking you've been, Americans. You've, it's not like you haven't been immediately in office straight after Obama, who introduced Obamacare for maybe a year before you got into office. And what the hell? And you campaigned on stamping it out because it was a communist conspiracy in 2016. Yeah, it's really not clear what he was talking about. No. It's obviously not 17 years. So and so that's the horrifying thing that, about the fact that one is fake is that two is true <laughs> because yes. for the past 17 years, since 2001, before Obama <laughs> was even a senator, Obamacare's been running and it's wreaked havoc on the... What the hell? 
Who did you <laughs> elect, you f- stupid people? <laughs> what on earth? I yeah. oh, don't mind losing for that one. Don't mind losing. Because <laughs> that is just... Well, that's good, because you have lost, which means I win again. Cause I have, and uh, yeah. that means that I'm undefeated still. Yeah. Uh, fake news. Six nil. Half a dozen. <laughs> so, uh, podcast listeners, I, I need your help because this is getting ridiculous. And uh, if you think you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter. Include your quote in the hashtag fallacious Trump and I'll pick the best one and you'll be podcast famous. So it's time for the part of the show that this week at least, is called Collusion is Not a Logical Fallacy. This is the part of the show where we want to talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on in the White House and in the Trump administration, but we can't talk about all of it because there's just so much crazy stuff. So we have to pick one story. And the story that we have picked this week to talk about is Rudy Giuliani going on TV again and just changing the story. He's... I, it's amazing what he does for the president. He 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 causes, I think, as many problems as he, in inverted commas, solves. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of real plan. No, I like to think of him as the deck chair attendant on the Titanic. He's yeah. kind of he goes around, he moves them around, around and he orders actually, it. It's like that kind of the three card Monty. It's like it's just kind of keep 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 everything moving. Mm. And no one will be able to pick. Yep. yep. Nobody knows on. where it lands. Yeah. Which <laughs> ones? Yeah. Pick the lady. Find the lady. Yeah. 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 Find the collusion. Yes. Yeah. So with collusion, he has been saying for a while now, as has Trump, that there was no collusion. Uh, every opportunity they get, they mention that there's no collusion. Trump has tweeted that there's no collusion at least 90 times since last March. And this week, Giuliani continued with that. He didn't deviate. But he did mention that just in case there was collusion, right? Uh, collusion isn't a crime anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> um, right? But it did. There wasn't any. But if there was, yeah. it wasn't a crime. It's not a crime. A collusion in it in <laughs> itself, to co- yeah. just colluding, isn't isn't a crime. Okay, that's true. But I but mean, there wasn't any. Is true. Collusion. But, the word collusion. Yeah. Uh, isn't isn't a crime right so and that's the that's the brilliant thing about this is that by saying collusion so much by by every time it's come up saying there was no collusion and i I, this may be a good strategy i don't know if this has been intentional it's possible (laughs) they have turned the narrative into was there collusion or not because they've because that's the thing they've been denying so that kind of makes people think well that's what Mueller's trying to prove is collusion that's not it's not what he's trying to prove but if it was they've they've done a good job of saying again and again that there was no collusion yeah yeah and, yeah and they're right that collusion there isn't in the federal code right there isn't a a law against collusion it mentions collusion a couple of times in in kind of the antitrust statutes which are about price fixing and things like yeah. that yeah but but in terms of political collusion there 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 isn't anything in there if the special counsel's job was to look for collusion yeah that would be a really good argument. Right. Yeah, yeah, But it's not. (laughs) Rosenstein's letter 
authorising the special counsel, says that he is supposed to look for any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump, any matters that arise directly from the investigation and any other matters within the scope of the US code. So, the, And if the special counsel believes it's necessary and appropriate, he's authorised to prosecute federal crimes arising from the investigations of these matters. Right. So no collusion he's not looking for collusion. He's yeah. looking for crimes in general. Yeah. And there are loads of crimes. There, there are laws against election fraud, computer hacking, wire fraud, falsifying records, obstruction of justice, all kinds of things. The fact that there isn't a law against collusion specifically is irrelevant to, to whether there's anyone has done anything wrong or anyone is going to end up in yeah, prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually what he's doing is constructing a straw man, doesn't he? In a way, Because yes. he's yeah. kind of saying, he's just saying all of this stuff that's going on is all concentrating on collusion and, well, the, A, there was no collusion and, B, it isn't illegal. Colluding is not a crime. So it's going to be like another uh, Trump when he mentioned a report and he said, you'll find in the report that it upholds the fact that there was no collusion. And it, well, it, the yeah, report absolutely. wasn't about that at all. So it wouldn't include that in there. Yeah, you're talking about the Inspector General's report into Hillary's email scam. Yeah, if it, yeah. If it was a magazine yeah. that was about how to grow zucchini, then sure, that doesn't have any paragraph in there about collusion they could find no collusion at all in that magazine about growing zucchini so you know he's completely exonerated when it comes to colluding with zucchinis and he just throws it into the conversation yeah he said that he said that he's been saying it since the beginning which i don't think is entirely true Uh, he says it's a very very familiar lawyer's argument um my client didn't do it and even if he did it it's not a crime (laughs) Yeah, which yeah, uh, I mean it's, uh, it is just contradicting yourself within within the same sentence, yeah. isn't it? Basically, yeah. it's saying no, no, he definitely didn't do it. But if he did, uh, <laughs> that's then, then what he did do is isn't the crime anyway. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. what? Oh. And Trump totally backed him up on in, in on Twitter with this. Well, so, yeah. Um, Collusion isn't a crime, but it doesn't matter because I didn't collude. Basically, <laughs> so I don't know what the actual tweet was, but it was very similar to that. But he's been pushing collusion uh, onto the Democrats. He's been saying there was no collusion. And then quite like probably about 30% of the time he says there's no collusion. He puts in brackets after, except with Hillary, Hillary and the Russians. Right, um, right. And so he's been pushing collusion Onto them, and now he's saying collusion isn't a crime. So, ah, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's it. They could just turn around so, and go, well, "Well, that's fine. Yeah, we did all of it, but you, you know, <laughs> you can't get us for any of it." Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is interesting because I, I read a, an article in Computer Weekly uh, which states that there was a British hacker that set up uh, a kind of smokescreen to try and divert the fact that the manipulation of the election was done by the Russians. So he made it look like it wasn't done by the Russians and it was done by some American hacktivists and there's no uh, breadcrumb trail yet back to the White House from that story. But it seems clear that there was something going on sufficient that they needed to set something up to make it look like it wasn't the Russians. Yeah. The thing is, uh, there was no one asking uh, who it was 
for him to stand mm. up and say, I'm Spartacus too. Mm. Mm. He, the, the, the people who were looking weren't looking in his direction. Yes. They were looking at the Russians yeah, yeah. because it was the Russians. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why they've yeah. indicted several Russians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're so bad at crime, aren't they? <laughs> They're so bad at, at, yeah. at <laughs> covering up stuff and making it look innocent or anything like that. Yeah. They're really bad at it. Yeah. If they were better, they would have found a patsy by now to, to claim that it was them, yeah, exactly. surely. I mean, yeah, yeah. how hard can that be? Well, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to set someone up for it and say, no, look, it was this 400 pound. Yeah, you kind of think it happens all the time, Jersey. doesn't it? That's the, that's yeah. the staple of, of many a film with political threats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With Harrison but Ford in. No, yeah. they can't even do that properly. Surprise, surprise. They're going to find some collusion at some point and then they well, will go, the do you know what? That's why they've changed their story. Yeah. Because they've, they've been very consistent about there being no collusion. The only reason to suddenly start saying, even if there was collusion, it's not against the law, yeah. is because yeah. you know the evidence of collusion is coming now. out pretty yeah, yeah. soon. Yeah. Probably from Cohen, to be honest, yeah. because he is... Yeah. It seems singing like a canary. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and now Giuliani's changed his tune on Cohen as well because um, a month ago, two months ago, he was saying what an honourable, uh, honest lawyer Cohen was. Right. Uh, and and how he you know absolutely trusted him and he hopes he does talk to the FBI because he will tell them yeah. that, that nothing was going on. Yeah. And now he's saying, oh, Cohen's a liar. He's always been a liar. He's a pathological liar. I, I knew this was going to happen because he just <laughs> lies all the time. He's been lying for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so just, the, yeah. whatever is useful at the moment yeah. at that particular time. Yeah, yeah. Ignore everything else. Well, that's... Um, and I think that's, that's what it is, is that, is that Trump lives in just a very short space parcel of time yeah he doesn't think about the past or the future he no. just thinks what what is important right now yeah um, what, and, what, and, and also what say right now to get out of this yes situation. exactly yes what can i get away with right now you know he's standing there with a hammer in his hand by the broken window and you know like bart simpson and he just says no it wasn't me, <laughs> it wasn't they, me. Yeah. you can't prove it was me no no <laughs> for it. and even if you could it's not a crime so, yeah. yeah, but whilst he's surreptitiously dropping the hammer and backing away, <laughs> but which is why he has no idea of how long things have been going on, like Obamacare been going on Absolutely. since the turn of the <laughs> century. Years. Yeah, and the past is coming up to get me. What is the past? It's yeah, nothing to do yeah. with me. Dim guy, wasn't me. Just like Shaggy. Just like Shaggy. <laughs> And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump threatened to shut down the government if Democrats refused to fund his wall, forgetting three important things. The Republicans have control of the House. The midterms are in three months and people don't like it when the government shuts down. And Trump tweeted last week, I'm looking into 3D plastic guns being sold to the public. Already spoke to the NRA. Doesn't seem to make much sense which is odd since it was his administration that allowed the instructions for untraceable homemade 3D printed guns to be published online. Trump said at a speech in Kansas City, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. Oh, no, wait, that was from the novel 1984. What Trump actually said was, just remember, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. So, basically the same. 
Just when you thought, Big Donald, just when you thought 2018 couldn't get any weirder, it turns out the Republican candidate in Virginia's 5th Congressional District, who is brilliantly named Denver Riggleman, is a self-published author of Bigfoot Erotica. He claims his interest in Bigfoot is entirely non-sexual. The title of his next book, The Mating Habits of Bigfoot and Why Women Want Him, says otherwise. The inference there is that he's already written several other books. He's written he's written a book about Bigfoot hunters, yeah. like a non-fiction wow. thing. Yeah. And that's where he claims his interest lies, right. is, oh, is yeah. in how crazy these people are yeah. that they think Bigfoot's real. Yeah. Um, and, and, and his Instagram has a number of drawings of Bigfoot with enormous penises. Uh, yeah, Bigfoot by name. Yeah. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Expensive shoes. Trump announced a $12 billion bailout for the farmers he screwed with his trade war. He really loves fixing problems he created and acting like a hero. He's like Muttley from the Wacky Races begging for a medal. Medal, 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 medal. Give me, give me, give me, give me. The guy who took a pickaxe to Trump's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame has been bailed out by the guy who destroyed it in 2016. Is it just me, or could this be the beginning of a chain? You know, pay it forward. Someone set Betsy DeVos's $40 million yacht adrift, doing $10,000 worth of damage. In other news, a bird crapped on my car, which proportionally is just as bad. Exactly. The Trump administration still doesn't have anyone in charge of preventing foreign election interference. And the Republicans just blocked an effort to allocate $250 million to increase election security measures ahead of the midterms. I guess when your strategy is so obvious, why waste the money? So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. And if you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can now buy Jim's book, Upon Which This Show Is Based, Fallacious Trump, available online on Jeff Bezos' Little Mail Order Startup. It's well-researched, brilliantly written and perfectly encapsulates the absurdity of Trump and the wryly observant humour of Jim. Oh, thanks very much. You're welcome. You can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump where you can get early access to extended episodes, exclusive bonus content and other cool stuff. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!